Pickleball Show is brought to you by PBX Club. PBX stands for Pickleball Excellence. Join today and get the latest pickleball tips and strategies, news, and opinion. Save money on paddles and other equipment with coupon codes to online pickleball retailers. Get travel discounts to tournaments and a whole lot more. How much does it cost to become a PBX Club member? Well, it's free. Just go to freepbxclub.com. That's freepbxclub.com. There's even a link in the show notes for this episode. FreePBXClub.com. PBX Pickleball Excellence. Join the club. It's free. This is Deb Harrison of PicklePongDeb.com. And here's the host of the Pickleball Show, Chris Allen. Thank you, Deb, and welcome to the show dedicated to helping you play better pickleball while having even more fun and meeting new friends who share your passion for this great sport. My name is Chris Allen, coming to you from Asheville, North Carolina, and we are continuing our conversation today with Jeff Shank. Jeff wrote the best free resource, I think, on the internet about pickleball. You can find that at pickleballstars.blogspot.com. And last week we covered the serve and we covered the return. We're talking about different elements of the game. We're moving on now to the all-important third shot. Or at least it uh, was considered the all-important third shot when you wrote your uh, 41 tips, Jeff, back in 2013-2014. Has anything changed or do you still think the third shot is the most important element in pickleball? No, I still think... Personally, I think the third shot is the most important shot in pickleball. It's what gets you and your partner who are on the serving team in a huge disadvantage. It's what gets you from a poor spot on the court, which is back at the baseline. Mm -hmm. It's the shot that gets you up on an even keel with your two opponents that are already standing at the non-volley zone line. If you don't do that and if you can't do that effectively, you know, if you get it too high, you're going to get caught back at the baseline because they're going to keep smashing it at you. Any time that I'm back, either on the third shot or for some reason I've driven, I'm driven back by a lob or anything else, even if you lob over my head, I'm still going to try and hit that ball soft into the kitchen because that is what gets you from all the way at the baseline up to an even kill with your opponents that are standing at the non-volley zone. Everybody knows that at the net is where you win pickleball. And that's the easiest, although the third shot isn't an easy shot to make, that's the easiest way to get you and your partner up on that even keel. You know, the, the only exception to that is if you like to crank the ball and your opponents do a weak serve return that you can smash from the middle of the court and you like to smash the ball, that's probably a great shot to hit. Or a lot of times if I serve to somebody and they do the serve return and they stay back, they don't immediately come up and join their partner at the non-volley zone line, that time I will try and hit the ball low and deep to that person because it's a much easier shot to make. 99% of the time, you should be able to hit a ball low and deep back to that person where hitting a third shot into the kitchen, a lot of times, you know, you might get it too high. You might hit it into the net. So maybe only 85% of the time are you going to be able to hit a good shot, third shot into the non-volley zone where it's a much higher percentage hitting it deep. You know, if they're such a, a flawed strategy that they're going to do the serve return and stay back, I want to try and keep them back. I don't want them to come up. So it's a better strategy and it's an easier shot to make. So those are the two times that I would not hit the third shot soft into the non-volley zone. 
Gotcha. Now, in the third shot, you've got seven feet there in the kitchen. The video that I mentioned with Brian Staub and Matt Staub, the uh, Pickleball Channel video, the third shot video, uh, had a great illustration that really brought it home. It was that the apex of the ball should be on your side of the court, and it should be descending into the kitchen during that third shot. But then there's still some room with that seven feet in the kitchen. Would you rather have a third shot that's high and shallow into the kitchen or low and deep into the kitchen if you had to err on one side? You mean if I'm the one hitting the ball? Yeah, if you're hitting it, would, it, would okay. you rather have it a little high, but it but it's really shallow into the kitchen or it's low, but it's deep? I mean, it's almost at the line. I'll tell you somebody that, that's very, very frustrating to play against is Bill Backley. He hits that third shot really high, and you think that you can reach in and smash it, but the problem is you can't because, because it's, it's hitting shorter, and it hits right at your feet, and it's coming down in such a way that it's very hard to handle. He's one of the most frustrating people for me to play against when he's hitting that third shot, and he, he hits it both high and relatively deep, so much so that it looks like it's an easy winner, but it's very difficult to play with. What makes it difficult? Why is it deceiving? Well, because the way that it looks like it's coming at you, which is relatively high, you think that you're going to be able to reach in and just smack it. But when it gets to you, it's, it's lost all of its pace, so it just drops right at your feet. And then it's because it hits at your feet, it's very difficult to control. Any ball that's at your feet is very, very difficult to control. Mm-hmm. So I, I probably... If I'm hitting a shot, I would probably would rather have it hitting right at my opponent's feet. So in in the two ones that you're telling me, I probably would rather hit it a little bit lower and get it a little bit deeper right at their feet because now they have to hit up on the ball. The problem Mm -hmm. is if you you hit the ball too high and it bounces too short, then the ball is going to pop up a little bit where your opponent may be able to hit it hard. But anytime you just like when you're dinking the ball or anytime that you're hitting the ball, if you can hit it at your opponent's feet, it's very, very difficult for them to control the ball. When I'm teaching players and I say, any ball that's at your feet, you have to think when that ball's at your feet, you have to think about pulling your paddle upwards to get that ball to lift it over the net. Because if you don't and you hit a ball at your feet, you're going to hit it into the net nine times out of ten. So in the two options that you give me, I probably would say at their feet is going to be the better example. So low and deep. You'd rather err on the side of low and deep than high and shallow in the kitchen? Yeah. If I'm good at hitting that shot, it's a little bit riskier. So if you have a good third shot that you have a lot of confidence in and it's going in a very high percentage, if you're able to do that you know, low and at their feet, it's a lower percentage shot. But if you're able to do it, it's a better shot. It's easier to hit it high and drop it in that way. So if, if you're having difficulty getting it in, that would be probably the better shot for you. But if you've got it down to a science, any time that you can hit it at their feet, it's the better shot. So it all depends on your skill level as to which one you would want to do. If, if every time you're trying to hit it low and at their feet and it's going into the net, certainly you would want to go away from that one and go to the higher one because when you're hitting that third shot, the biggest thing is not to hit it into the net. Gotcha. We're talking with Jeff Shank, popular instructor in the villages and author of one of the best, I think the best, free resource on the internet, which is Pickleball Stars, 
www.blogspot.com and we will link to it in the show notes so you don't have to remember that. You can just look down in the show notes and click on it and get right over there and read all 41 of the weekly tips that Jeff had compiled in 2013-2014. Very, very informative stuff. Now, all right, we're into we're still in the game here. We've we've done the serve, the return, the third shot. Now we're all up at the line. And uh now ensues the uh, the dink contest. And maybe you get into a, a diagonal back and forth. What do you think your best options are when you find yourself in one of those diagonal dinks? What are your options and when do you pull the trigger and try to do something offensive? Well, you know, usually you're, you're, in my opinion, you want to go diagonal. Now, one thing I want to preface this with is if you're playing in games like open play where the game really doesn't mean anything, I think your best option is to hit to the better player because that is what's going to make you a better player. Anytime you play against better competition, that better competition is going to make you a better player. Mm. So if you're playing in a tournament, you generally want to play to the weaker player. If you're playing in open play, and sometimes I'll tell my partner that I'm playing with, hey, you know, let, let's hit the Brian. You know, let's hit the Brian Staub because I don't want him to think that I'm stupid hitting the Brian Staub, <laughs> you know, a top national player. You know, what's Jeff doing? He's hitting all, he, all the time. He's hitting to the better player. But that will get you a, to be a better player if you hit to the better player. But back to your question, and, and the only reason I say that is if I'm dinking against somebody, you know, like Jeff Harrison, who's a really great dinker, Coach Moe, who's a really great dinker, if I really want to win the game – I might not want to go head-to-head with them because it's going to come back nine times out of ten. I might opt to hit a dink to their partner who probably isn't quite as good a dinker. So that being said, my opinion generally is cross-court dinks are the easiest ones to hit because it gives you a little bit more room for error in not popping the ball up. Generally, if you, if you, you dink straight ahead, mm-hmm. if you're off balance a little bit, and that's, that's what the best players do is when they're dinking to you, they're dinking it so it's right at your feet or it's at a heavy angle, something that's putting you out of your comfort zone that is going to make you pop the ball up. And that's usually what happens is somebody hits you such a great dink that you're not able to control it, you're under a lot of pressure, you pop the ball up, and then your opponents put it away. And, you know, also poaching comes into effect. So if you're doing a cross-court dink, you want to hit to a certain player it's very hard for that other person to come over and poach and hit a winner. Mm -hmm. So generally when I'm dinking, I like to dink cross court, um, especially backhand to backhand. I think it's generally the the safest thing to do. If you come out of that and start trying to go straight ahead, my opinion, there's less room for error when you're dinking straight ahead if you're under pressure and if your opponents are hitting your really good dink right at your feet. And you'll generally just keep that diagonal dink going. You're not going to try to lob it over somebody. You're just going to wait for them to make a mistake? Pretty much so. You can lob sometimes if your opponents are not very fleet of foot, they have a hard time moving, or if they're really short, a good lob over that person is a pretty good shot. But if you watch the top players, lobs are not one of their their favorite shots. I, I sat down on one of the USAPA national finals match, just one of the games. And I counted the shots after the serve, serve return and third shot, 84% of the shots were soft, easy shot, you know, like the dink or what have you, just keeping the ball in play right around 83, 84% of those shots were that way, right around 15% of the shots were for winners and 1% of the shots were for loud. So it's just at the higher levels. 
you know, I know that intermediate players like to smash the ball, ground strokes from the baseline, and they like to lob the ball. But in my opinion, that's because they don't have the confidence in hitting the third shot soft in the kitchen. So I tell people, never, never lob. Don't lob, don't lob. And it's not because the lob can't be a good shot at times. It's because I want them to get out of their comfort zone of hitting a lob and hitting the, thir- the shot soft into the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so back when we're getting back to dinking, cross-court, cross-court, it's pretty much what it generally happens is it just keeps getting a deeper and deeper angle until somebody messes up. They either pop it up, put it in the net. That's usually what it ends up being. Just keep it low and in play, low and in play. That's, that's all you got to do. If you can do that, you're going to win so many more points. If you go out and watch especially intermediate players play, probably 80% of the points are not won, they're lost by unforced errors, popping the ball up, going for winners, you know, instead of hitting 110% when you smash the ball, you know, just smash it at 90%. Now, one thing that we've heard more and more conversation about lately, and I want to get your personal take and also just what the vibe is in the villages, uh, more and more people are calling for one unified indoor outdoor ball that is the ball that we always use uh you know they say that well tennis you know you've got multiple court surfaces you've got grass and clay and hard court but you're always using one tennis ball what is your take on that and what are you what have you been hearing at the villages well the villages is kind of unique because all we play is outdoors mm-hmm. we have probably right now 150 dedicated pickleball courts, but everything is outdoors. I've played indoors before, but personally, um, I absolutely hate it. I know that most people that spend 99% of their time playing outdoors do not like indoor play. I love the outdoor ball. It's the only one I play with. However, I, I hear people say that play a lot of indoor, that outdoor ball is just too fast and hard to control. I mean, for outdoor play, I would never want to go with the softer, easier-to-control indoor ball. So I personally don't know that there's a special need to have one particular ball. You know, if the, if the Dura ball works great for outdoors, then the, the softer ball works better. If people think, tournament directors think that that softer ball works better for indoors, I'm fine with that. What do you guys use at the Villages? Use the uh, Dura ball 40s? Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. And a lot of times the problem is in colder climates, you know, those balls start to crack. And so they, you know, you have to use something outdoors when it gets, say, 48 degrees or under. I know in one of your posts, you mentioned that you have a summertime paddle and a wintertime paddle because the ball gets softer in the heat down in the villages in the uh, in the summertime. Part of the problem, even here where I am in North Carolina, we'll have a lot of people that play indoors all the time, but then when the tournament comes around, it's an outdoor tournament, and they think, well, you know, all right, it took me two or three games to adjust to that ball just because I've been playing indoors so much, and then by that time, I'm out of the tournament. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't really care about surfaces so much. They say, well, a gym floor is different, obviously, than a tennis court outdoors. I care more about how it's coming off of my paddle. You know, I'd rather just have to adjust to the surface and not have to worry about the ball coming off my paddle. And a lot of times, because we play mainly indoors up here, when you go to outdoors, you're popping them out. That Dura ball is, is you know, snapping off your paddle a lot harder. So it would be nice if, if just like in tennis, we had just this is the ball we use and everybody uses it. 
it. Yeah, well, like I say, I think a lot of the outdoor players would scream bloody murder if you, you know, made <laughs> yeah. it use something a lot softer. If it were up to me, I mean, I'm fine with using a Durable no matter what. But like I say, I, I hear a lot of the indoor players don't like the liveliness of that ball. You know, if they could come up with a ball that would work well for both, but not change the liveliness of it, that would be great. And also, you know, lasted in the cold weather. So I guess it's, you know, whatever dog you got in the fight is <laughs> which way that you're going to vote on that. Yeah. What else are you seeing in the villages, trends, any anything new kind of cropping up? Because you guys are, are on the forefront in uh, pickleball uh, strategy and technology. Yeah, we're seeing a lot more people wearing eye protection, probably 20 times more people now than a couple of years ago. My wife wears eye protection. I would say probably now a good 20% of the players are using some type of eye protection. I'm not using eye protection yet. It may come to that point. I tried some. If I can get some uh, some um, frames that are clear, I probably would use them. But I, I took some sunglasses and popped the lenses out of them. But they were they were very dark frames, and they kind of distracted me a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I am on the lookout for some clear, just regular frames um, with white views uh, that would protect my eyes. I do wear a hat every single time I play, which gives the ball you know over my eyes, which does give my eyes a little bit more protection. Um, but we've had a couple people in the villages that have been struck right in the eye and detached the retina and caused some problems. So, yeah, so a lot more people are using eye protection now. Um, some of the paddles that are, that are coming out, they're coming out with a rougher surface. They're intentionally making the surface rougher. Um, I know the USAPA is going to come out with some guidelines in that area as far as how rough the paddles can be. So that's a kind of a big change we've seen in the paddles lately in the villages. So there are some paddles out there now that are intentionally rougher um, that have US, past USAPA inspections. But the USAPA is going to come out with some type of test or something along that line for the roughness of the surface of the paddle, for being able to put a little bit more spin on a little bit more control. Mm-hmm. So that's something else that we're seeing a little bit. Well, we will be on the lookout for those things. And Jeff, thank you for putting that blog together, taking the time to compile all of those tips that you did put up on the blog. Again, it's a wealth of information and uh, just tremendously helpful. So thank you for that and all you continue to do for the game of pickleball. We really do appreciate it. Well, thank you, Chris, and thank you for all that you do for pickleball. Anybody that spends their time and, and like your show here, that helps promote the sport and gives out you know information for people uh, is a really big asset to the players. Pickleballstars.blogspot.com. That is the address of Jeff Shank's blog, and we did link to it in the show notes. So click on that link, head over there, and read all of the great tips Jeff has compiled for you. Thank you again, Jeff. And thank you to everybody who shared the link to the Pickleball Show via Facebook. You can find us there, facebook.com slash show. Boy, you really stepped up this week. Mike Holland, thank you. Virginia Pickleball, uh, Laugh-In Pickleball Group, uh, Pickleball Life, thank you. PickleballManiac.com. Really do appreciate the support. Now, if you want to email us, please do. We'd love to hear from you. A question, comment, a topic you'd like to hear discussed on the show? The address is real simple. It's mail at pickleballshow.com. Also, head over to iTunes if you get a chance. Leave us a five-star review. Also, hit that subscribe button. Never miss an episode. I'm Chris Allen. This is the Pickleball Show. And until next week, keep them low.
The Pickleball Show is brought to you by PBX Club. PBX stands for Pickleball Excellence. Join today and get the latest pickleball tips and strategies, news, and opinion. Save money on paddles and other equipment with coupon codes to online pickleball retailers. Get travel discounts to tournaments and a whole lot more. How much does it cost to become a PBX Club member? Well, it's free. Just go to freepbxclub.com. That's freepbxclub.com. There's even a link in the show notes for this episode. FreePBXClub.com. PBX Pickleball Excellence. Join the club. It's free.